0: Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines.
1: And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, good morning, everyone. Hope you're happy wonderful Saturday and a wonderful week. Thank you so much again for joining us in another episode of Let Us Reason. I'm your host, Al-Fadi. And as I said before, thank you so much for allowing us to have another season of this podcast, which by the way, we've been receiving a lot of positive feedback from people from all over the world. So thank you so much for your contribution and your prayers. Uh, the uh, The podcast, of course, uh, can always be found on um Uh, SoundCloud's platform uh, under Let Us Reason or the full name, of course, of the show. If you like, you can Google it. Let Us uh, Reason, uh, a Christian Muslim dialogue with Al-Fadi. Another way you can access it is on YouTube. uh, Let Us Reason and just mention Al-Fadi in there in the search and it will take you there. You can go to our own website, sirainternational.com and click on the icon for Let Us Reason in there in the first page the homepage, and that will take you to the archive show. And CIRA is C as in Charlie, C-I-R-A international.com. So these are some of the ways that you can always access the show. Uh, it seems like the updates that we've been doing uh, related to the post on Facebook have been extremely popular, so today I'm going to continue with that. The uh, topic today that I'm going to address is, did the Quran, did the Quran actually confirm The accounts of the Gospels, did the Quran confirm the accounts of the synoptic Gospels and even all four Gospel accounts when it comes to uh, some of the miracles that Jesus has done? And the answer is, resoundingly, yes. How do we know this? Well, in October 24th, I posted a, a table, and I titled that post, The Islamic Dilemma, as always. This is a series that I've been doing And the specific subtitle for this Islamic Dilemma series is The Quran Affirms the Four Gospel Accounts. And here is what's going on here. Uh, Many times Muslims, of course, tell us that the Bible is corrupt. The Bible doesn't worth the pages written on it. The Bible cannot be trusted. And the list can go on and on and on. The only problem with this assertion is that the Quran itself never said something like this. There are granted uh, about four verses in the Quran that talk about supposedly a team, a party, a section of the people of the book that corrupted supposedly the interpretation of the passages or somehow reinterpreted them and so on and so forth, mainly in the oral way. There is one uh, one verse that talk about it in the written way, but many... Actually, uh, there are many that disagree whether that was speaking about the Quran or the Bible. But nevertheless, even if it was about the Bible, the Quran specifically always talk about a party of the people of the book, not all of them. Which means that it always appealed to the others who are more faithful to the Scripture. With that said, uh, those passages would have been revealed. Uh, the one that made the, make these accusations would have been revealed about 14 centuries ago. In other words, it's Incumbent upon the Muslims now to find any manuscript evidence that refute the Bible as we know it for the last 14 centuries. Because the time you know, when Muhammad basically revealed his Quran, there were at least 230 manuscripts available at that time. Now we have 5,800 plus in the Greek. Uh, if you add other languages, 9,000, total about 24,000. If you look at the quotations of the early church, first, second, third centuries, in excess of 85,000, you can reconstruct the entire New Testament with the exception to maybe 1% of the New Testament. Impressive data. So it's really incumbent upon the Muslims to try to show us what evidence do they have to negate the authority of the Bible. Obviously, they won't. They won't find a single thing. In fact, if they make these accusations... They're attacking their own God because their own God in the Quran is the one who says no one can change his word, and he's the one who made the claim in the Quran that the Bible that we have was revealed by him. So, technically speaking, our Muslim friends are attacking their own deity. They're not bothering us at all. Now, here is the idea behind this post How can we know for sure that the Quran does confirm uh, accounts found in all these four Gospels? Well, a simple way to look at it is to look at What did the Quran say when it comes to the, uh, basically, the miracles that Jesus has done? We have two passages in the Quran that mention those miracles. The first one is found in chapter 3 of the Quran, which is named after the family of Mary, the mother of Jesus, al-Amran. That's what it's called. Chapter 3, in verse 49, it reads the following. And he, speaking of Jesus... Shall be a prophet to the people of Israel, saying that I have come to you with a sign from God, meaning a miracle from God. Namely, that I will create for you out of clay as though it were the form of a bird. And I will blow their run and it shall become a bird by God's permission. And I will heal the blind from from birth, uh, birth, basically. I will heal the lepers. And I will bring the dead to life for God's, by God's permission. And I will tell you what you eat, meaning knowing the future, and what you store up in your houses, verily, in that is a sign for you. And then in chapter 5, known as also the table, and that's the name, chapter 5, verses 112 to 114, we read about this table that the chapter was named after. The table supposedly is that the apostles asked Jesus to bring a table from heaven. Now, when you go to the commentators of this passage, the Islamic commentators, they will say, well, apparently Jesus and his apostle were teaching and there were at least about 5,000 people. And in some accounts, they say about 4,000 people that they were hungry and they only had a couple of loaves of bread and fish. And that's basically the story behind this miracle. Hmm. Sounds interesting. Because that's exactly what was going on when we read the account of feeding the crowd, the 5,000 or the 4,000 as well. So I went ahead and I found a table online that talks about some of the miracles of Jesus, uh, tabulated basically. And it will list that miracle name and where you can find it. And then I went ahead and extrapolated that info. And then I added another column. And I listed the Quranic passages that support these t- particular miracles and of course the only miracles in this table that I created that I focused on has only to do with the ones listed in the Quran in other words there are many miracles that Jesus did that I did not list in here simply because I wanted to make it easier for people to see for themselves what is the Quran saying and which gospel or gospels, in this case, eyewitness account uh, in this uh, synoptic or all or four are confirming this. So if you look at the table, for instance, the first item in there is that Jesus cleanses a man with leprosy. This particular one, for instance, you find in Matthew chapter eight, Mark chapter one, Luke chapter five, and the Quran made address that Jesus healed lepers in chapter three, verse forty nine. So, technically speaking, the Quran affirms this healing of lepers and in this way affirmed what the three synoptic gospels are talking about. Another example is that in the Quran chapter 3 verse 49 it says that Jesus raises people from the dead. We find an account like this for instance in Luke chapter 7 where he raised the son of the widow for instance who was dead. Another one when he raised the daughter of Jairus The daughter of Jairus' account actually was mentioned in the Synoptic Gospels. Matthew 9, Mark 5, Luke 8. The Quran in chapter 3, uh, verse 49, did affirm that Jesus raised people from the dead. Therefore, it confirms what these three Gospels are talking about. Then, the Quran in chapter 3, verse 49, says that also Jesus healed blind men. Well... We have an account of a blind man that was healed by Jesus. In fact, Jesus almost like created uh, for this, uh, for, uh, in some cases, created for them sight, that they were born without a sight. Now they have a sight, created an eye, technically speaking. Well, one of those accounts is found in Matthew chapter 9, in Matthew chapter 9. And in Matthew chapter 9, the, it speaks about Jesus' heals two blind men. And the Quran confirms that Jesus did heal the blind. The Quran also went went on to mention that Jesus healed the mute and allowed him to speak. We find an account like this in also Matthew chapter 9 following the healing of the two blind men. That he healed a man who wasn't able to speak. The Quran in chapter 3 verse 49 confirmed that Jesus did a miracle like this. The feeding of the 5,000 is really peculiar because this is the Only miracle, technically speaking, that was mentioned in all four gospels, not only the synoptic, but also in John. Okay? This is what we call a quadruple. This is what we call the quadruple attested gospel problem. Okay? So you have a four gospels that have the same story in them. And the Quran in chapter 5, verses 112 to 114, which the entire chapter 5 was named the table in reference to this miracle, actually confirms what all four Gospels have mentioned in relationship to this particular miracle of feeding 5,000, not to mention their women and children that were accompanying them. Then we move on also in the same list, and we have Jesus heals a deaf and a dumb man. This one, this particular one was in Mark, and the Quran in chapter 3, verse 49, also confirms that Jesus healed people like that. Then we come back again to the feeding of the 4,000, which was mentioned in both Matthew and Mark, and the Quran in chapter 5, verse 112 to 114, did allude to a miracle like this. Jesus heals a blind man at Bethesda in Mark chapter 8. The Quran chapter 3, verse 49, talks about Jesus healing blind men. Jesus also healed a blind man who was born blind by spitting, actually, in his eye and creating sight for him. This one is actually found in John, interestingly. The only gospel that talks about something like this is John, and yet Muslims in the Quran chapter 3, verse 49, talks about Jesus creating things from uh, basically from clay, uh, clay and also bringing sights back to the blind. So it's a very powerful, actually, Condemnation against this accusation that the Bible is corrupt and the Quran itself actually is the one who stands it at odd with the Muslim accusation and then Jesus heals another blind and a mute de- uh, demon- uh, demonia- uh, demoniac I should say person and this you find in the Gospel of Matthew and Luke for instance and another one Jesus cleanses ten lepers on his way to Jerusalem that is found in Luke. I mean, by the way, the accounts of Luke are interesting because Muslims always attack Luke, claiming that Luke wasn't actually inspired by God to write uh, his story. But here we talk, uh, Luke is talking about lepers and the Quran confirms that Jesus healed people who were lepers. And we find that Luke is the one who mentioned this more than once, actually. And then we have also... Uh, many other uh, accounts where it talks about Jesus doing many other miracles. So what's what's the point behind all of this? The point is very simple. My Muslim people make attacks and accusations against the Bible, yet as we have just demonstrated in a very simple table, that their own Quran stands at odds with their accusation, confirms. What not just one of these gospel accounts is talking about when it comes to the miracles of Jesus, but all of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What is the conclusion here? The conclusion is it's incumbent upon my Muslim people to present their evidence that contradicts their Quran before it even contradicts my Bible. Because the Quran that they trust in and they use as the scripture revealed to them from the God of Islam is the one that is actually exposing this fallacy. So that's one important post that we recently had in there. Um, Other posts that I just want to bring your attention to, for instance, on October 23rd, we shared the post that Dr. David Wood actually posted concerning episode number eight, which I did with him. And this one exposes the idea that the Quran is a scientific miracle in and of itself, meaning it's a book of science. In there, we talk about briefly how this particular cl- uh, claim can fall apart immediately when you start exposing the many errors that are found in the Quran from a scientific standpoint. Of course, hopefully in the future, we will elaborate further on such accusations. It is another. Uh, post that we had that was extremely popular. Uh, It has to do with the variant text readings of the Quran. And I titled this one that was posted on October 22nd. I titled it The Quranic Dilemma. And the subtitle was Variant Text Readings Revisited Part 1. Which reading was preserved in heaven? You see, you have to understand that it's not an easy thing to say Uh, that the Quran is preserved in heaven, that the Quran was revealed in seven different readings, and all this stuff that you hear from my Muslim friends over and over and over again. Because it is incumbent upon my Muslim people to prove to us which reading actually exists today in heaven, And why didn't the Qur'an mention a single thing about the different readings, the variant text readings of the Qur'an? Why is this tradition, the idea that the Qur'an was read in different dialects, didn't emerge until later and wasn't even fixed as a science until almost 150 years after the collection of the Qur'an? So these are problematic questions. In other words, it is clearly indicative here that men, mere men, took it upon themselves to modify the Quran and come up with their own traditions. Now, why is that problematic? Because the uh, Muslims are always uh, basically uh, insisting that the Quran is the word of Allah and no one can change his word. If that's the case, then we have evidence from the, within the pages of the Islamic traditions that prove otherwise, that actually there are mere men who were not even inspired by their Allah, nor uh, given authority by Allah to do such a thing. And all I did in there is I listed basically the this claim that is found in Sahih Bukhari, one of the Hadith collections, the authenticated Hadith collection, and also in Muslim, in Bukhari uh, number 3047, in Muslim number 819, where it says the following. It says that according to Ibn Abbas, who narrated that the prophet said, Gabriel taught me one style, meaning one reading, one dialect, Of the Quran and I reviewed it until he taught me more okay and I kept asking him for more and he gave me more until finally there were seven styles now that's interesting by the way because the Quran never mentioned anything about seven and at the same time this particular hadith collection would have been put together 200 years after the time of Muhammad so the chances of fabrication are great actually and uh, no one can actually prove anything uh in terms of what this hadith is trying to tell us because uh, men had enough time to try to come up with these kind of stories if the quran would have at least told us something like this it would have been at least easy and my questions basically at the end of this is the following actually before i get to the questions if you read really about the different readings of the quran There is a whole debate out there. In fact, there are 40 different opinions about what does the word ahruf meaning readings mean as mentioned in this hadith tradition. Is it different dialects? Is it different ways and styles of reading it and reciting it? Is it different meanings? Because in the Arabic language, as any Semitic language, if you change the position of the diacritical markings of the same word, it can change and evolve from a verb to a noun, to an adjective, and so on and so forth, and even the same word can change, even if it remains a noun, from meaning one thing to meaning another. This is one of the main reasons, according to the Islamic traditions, why the third Caliph Uthman took it upon himself to recollect the Qur'an one more time, known as the Uthmanic standardized uh, copy, and burn all other dialects, basically, simply because he felt like it was causing confusion. Hmm, I thought the Qur'an was clear, actually in an Arabic language that everybody will understand, but it appears that that wasn't the case. And one of Muhammad's own prominent followers, Uthman, ended up actually deciding on his own which dialect should remain and which other dialects should be destroyed and burned. Now, if there was such a tradition as the one we just read in Bukhari and Muslim about Muhammad saying that the Quran was revealed to him in seven different styles, Why would Uthman take it upon himself to destroy the others? Why didn't he come up with the seven different style Qur'ans and said, these are the seven that you can use? He only used one. We don't even know which one he used and which one he burned. All we know is that he decided on his own that this is the style he likes. Was it one of the seven styles that were revealed? Your guess is as good as mine. So here are my questions for my Muslim people. Which one? Of these seven styles technically is the revealed in heaven or the one that was revealed first or does it still exist today okay and which one of those styles is represented in the modern Quran that we have in our hand today and is it one of those seven for instance it is another thing I posted an image of a website called dar al-fikr dar al-fikr the house of thinking the House of Thoughts, okay, darufikr.com. You'll see the image in there very clearly. And in there, it does have actually images of 25 different style Qurans. different 25. Yes, you heard me correctly. So my question to my Muslim people is, which one of these 25 Qurans below in this image is the original one that is preserved in heaven? Better yet. Which one of these 25 Qurans below was the original reading revealed to Muhammad by Gabriel before Muhammad asked him for other styles? Which seven readings exist among these 25? The seven that Muhammad alluded to, for instance. It is not as easy as saying we have just seven readings. In fact, there is another science that said there are 10 readings. And there is another science that says there are 14 readings. Just Google it. Google the phrase variant text readings of the Quran and see for yourself how many articles will pop up to talk about something like this. In a book that I had the the privilege of working on, co-editing, co-author, co-contribute, called The Quran Dilemma, this particular topic was addressed more than once in uh, part one, the beginning of that book, under the articles, where we called it the variant text readings. And you'll see the many uh, uh, bibliographies bibliographies that uh, we uh, gave you as a reference to go to, most of which are Islamic bibliographies. And finally, I want to close by talking about a post that I just posted within the last hour, actually. This one is a little bit technical. And it has to do with a reading in chapter 7 of the Quran, verse 158. Now, why did I uh, use something like this? Very simple. The Quran always claimed to be a book that is revealed in clear Arabic language. And many times Muslims will mention to you that it's the standard for eloquence, the standard for Arabic grammar, and so on and so forth. In fact, you go to our website, and I mentioned that in my post called al-islam.org, and this is what they say. The Prophet of Islam began conveying his heavenly messages in the midst of society where people's minds revolved exclusively around eloquent speech and the composition of beautiful and attractive poetry and literally excellence. Under these conditions, God, meaning Allah, equipped his prophet with a weapon, the Quran, that apparently belonged to the same category as the literary work of the age. but possessed unique and astonishing characteristics that were beyond the capacity of the human being to reproduce. You go there, you will read the rest of this article in there, and they will give you examples why. But let me tell you how astonishing this is. If you go to chapter 7, verse 158, it reads as follows. So Say, meaning say, Muhammad, Omen, verily I am the messenger of, of Allah unto you all, And to him belongs the kingdom of heaven and earth. If you read in Arabic, it actually, the sovereignty or the possession of heaven and earth could also be attributed to Muhammad, not to Allah. In other words, you do not know uh, the identity of the one who possesses heaven and earth. Is it Muhammad, the messenger, or is it Allah in that verse? That's the gist of that particular post. In other words, it is confusing to an Arab reader unless you rely on the commentators and the translators to try to interject their own thoughts to soften the blow. With that said, thank you again for uh, joining us today, and we look forward to having you again in the next episode as we continue with these posts, updates, and many other topics. You can always visit us internationalcom contact me directly, and go to our Facebook page, alfadi.sira, C and Charlie, alfadi.cira or our main page also, CIRA International under Facebook. Thank you so much, and the Lord bless you.